Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi, everyone. Thank you so very much for making it Redirection with Terry Carell, the podcast. It is brought to you by MasterCard in association with Heineken Zero Zero. I want to take the opportunity to thank all of you for your DMs, your messages, your comments, your reviews, your ratings. Not only are they encouraging, but it certainly shows me that there is space and place, um, that these stories and experiences resonate with everyone, and that there is beauty when the community shows up for community, right? How else do we learn? How else do we grow if we don't hear from other people and from their experiences? If it's the first time you're stumbling upon me, I am Terry Carell and you can find me across all social media platforms at Terry Carell. And if you'd like to find out more about what I do outside of the podcast, please go ahead and visit my website, terrycarell.com. And certainly if you have anyone that you'd like to nominate, anyone who you think deserves to be in the redirection seat, come on, send me an email, let me know. And we will, of course, follow through. Um, I just want to thank all my sponsors. Toyota Jamaica, you know that inclusion matters. Thank you for going places with me. Thank you for sponsoring the sign language service of Tony Aiken to ensure that our deaf community is not left out. To my official production partner, Commercial Concepts, Thank you so very much for making this experience amazing and for enhancing what this podcast looks and feels like. To beauty brands by MDS, uh, Breche, Go Shore, Couriers, thank you very much. And for Spaces in particular, we decided to take the podcast just from being audio to also being video. And we knew that we needed to create a beautiful space and Spaces, you did that. To everyone who used the hashtag TK Redirection, I absolutely love you. So the question is, who will be in the redirection seat today? Let's just say she has an incredible story from flunking her subjects to getting a diagnosis to becoming an HR professional to even going ahead and taking the bar. How did she do all of this with so much going on? We cannot wait to speak to the lovely Candice Walker. Season two of the Redirection with Terry Carell podcast is brought to you by MasterCard in association with Heineken 00. Hi, Candice. Hi, TK. How are you? I'm well. What, what is with the hesitation? Um, because this heat is not making me great. Listen, I, <laughs> I, I totally get it. And quite frankly, it's, it's a little bit terrifying knowing that, you know, it doesn't seem to get any cooler no matter what you do but you look beautiful you are so kind no you are beautiful um i don't know if you realize but we're kind of color coding so great minds my son would say um jinx that's what what my that's what my daughter says um but thank you welcome to the redirection uh seat um i know that you are um in hr at Toyota Jamaica, and you have been, hum- you are a people manager. I consider anyone who is human resource managers to be people managers, culture managers. Tell me about how long you've been in HR. Oh, my word. So, I, <laughs> I happened into HR because when I finished college, I needed to be in a job where I could know when immigration was going to raid the business. <laughs> So the most likely place to go was in HR. And I ended up enjoying it, enjoying it immensely. And when I came home, uh, the first job that I got was with someone who actually believed in the value of having that expertise, Mm -hmm. you know, journey with the business to help exhume people's interests and kind of marry them to special projects or objectives they may have. Mm -hmm. So I really had a five-year plan to get vested in the pension plan and cut. (laughs) But 
I tell you, it you were has, hooked. it's just been an adventure. It has been a fascinating adventure. And so I have been very torn. What do I do with the rest of my life? Right. But you said you happened into HR. So I'm going to ask you the question that I typically ask all my guests. Like, what you're doing now, is this what you had hoped to be doing or did you have some other plan some other dream as little candice so as little candice i wanted to be an astronaut of course then that changed to being a flight attendant oh. because i just thought all flight attendants were just gorgeous and glamorous and always traveling of yes, course yes and uh, and then somehow um towards the end of high school i wanted to do medicine but i hated math um, and that kind of... You saw like my, my best friend. Well, my mother had a meeting with the principal because I insisted on doing biology, chemistry, physics, and math. And um, I barely made it through biology and chemistry. The physics lab could not even be graded. So that dashed my plans. No, but you're kind of dark. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it sticky bad. And then... <laughs> I did the arts in sixth form. But how did you manage that? So, for example, you know, when you're at school, um, everyone just always assumes that, you know, medical is, you know, that that's the smartest kid or the smartest stream is to do the sciences. You decide to do the sciences and you realize, whoa, okay, so this is not working out for me. How did you take that? And was that any blow? Was there any blow to your self-esteem while in high school because you just didn't get the grades that you probably I'm, wanted i'm just i'm remembering a conversation i had with a friend of mine after our a-level results came out so i'm by saying a-level i just dated i did a-levels everything cool i did common entrance mm. as well it's all good it's all okay. good over here so when i um got my a-level results a friend came by because you know i think i at that time i was the standard to beat and she said so what are your grades i said b-o-o-f boof and she said what i said b for gp o for econ of and i just read it off and everybody just said you know why can't you take anything seriously no your future is on the line of course but you know that's how i cope with life i use humor to cope so boof boof and i went on and did n1 and um the university wrote me a nice letter at the end of that year because i I had a bit of self-discovery while I was on the on campus that um, Mingles was on Thursday. No, House of Leo was Thursday. Friday was Mingles. Saturday was 24K. And Sunday was Super D in Harborview. So at the end of that, I don't think that was the course of study I was... Enrolled into, so the university asked me to revisit what it is I plan to do with my life and reapply. It was the first time ever in my life I was embarrassed about something. Really? So, and you were you you enrolled to study what the arts? Was it that? No, I was in N one doing biology, chemistry, and so hold on, you were doing this in at UE at UE. So. <clears throat> So I, and oh, incidentally, I was elected to be the cultural and entertainment committee chairman for Seacole Hall. So you kind of throw that into the mix and you're not coming back to school. And the university had to write you a, a nice a letter. letter. So I, I had to pivot. Yes. And I found a job in the grill. At the time, Super Clubs was hiring, and I took a, a sabbatical to find myself and to raise some money. Mm -hmm. And the following summer, I was on a plane because I was too embarrassed to go back to UWE. But I somehow in the back of my mind, I had it in my mind that, you know, I needed vindication. So I needed to come back to the UWI and vindicate myself yes so i went abroad with 500 us in my pocket and um my father retired at that time and so i was hoping for money to pay room and board um i was i received a call from financial aid to tell me 
oh, well, to advise me that I should pack my things um, because my school fee is outstanding and I should return from whence I came. So that And gave, what were you trying to pursue there? I was doing a degree in management studies. So how you just pick up yourself and go to the people them country and... Any port for a storm. You, 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 somehow in my consciousness or in my, well, that home culture, there was that desire or that intention mm-hmm. that you must finish college. So if I can't become a doctor today, maybe I should do something else and then kind of move into mm-hmm. the direction. But I, you must complete. You, I must you have complete. to complete. Um, I think at that time I reconciled myself to the notion that medicine was not my strong suit. And um, management studies, seem, it, it seemed as if it was a happening major mm-hmm. at the time. And um, I met a, a professor who was very, he was ex-military mm-hmm. and as an unsmiling man. But somehow we had this connection mm-hmm. where he saw something in me and he made it his duty to encourage me. So Dr. John George, who was the, then the chairman, I think, of the Department of Government and Business, um, I decided to do some more courses, trying to impress this, this great the man. school fee pay? Well, um, I was on scholarship, so okay. I decided, no, I, 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 I did some maneuvering. Good, okay. Because I was wondering, well, how come them tell you to pack up your things and you still yeah, looking f- to do, do courses? So you actually got a scholarship. You were, you were able to figure out how to get a scholarship. And let me tell you, to supplement the scholarship, because it was not 100%. Yes. And as you can tell, I'm not good at track or sports. <laughs> I had to... I decided to get a job. And as life would have it, and well, one of the big ironies of life, I left Jamaica after working in the bank, working at a hotel, and was so proud to tell people, well, I live where you vacation. Yes. The only jobs that were available on campus were to clean the bathrooms and the dorms. And as irony would as fate would have it, I had to clean the dormitory where I lived. The people would feel so sorry for me, but I was not daunted by it. Even though you weren't daunted by it, how did you process that? Oh. Coming from, as you rightfully say, you come from Jamaica, you, you know, you've gone through school, you've gone through, you know, you, you, you started university, and as you said, you've been in a bank, you've, mm-hmm. you know, you travel, you have your document, you have your papers, and... It you were no, you were no cleaning. It did rough. Did it you did ever rough. regret? Was there ever a moment when you were just like, you know, I know this me come here for do? Never, because because mm. I believed it was character building, and I had something to prove, not only to the others who were looking on, but to prove to myself that mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. I've made, I've wasted. I at that time I thought I had wasted a lot of time. Yes, and I was on a path to redemption. Got you. So you were going to do anything any, by any means, means necessary, necessary to get to back get on the done. right path. Absolutely. So I buckled down. I, I, well, I thought I buckled down. I remember we went to an honors assembly and um, we, were supposed to wear, we were supposed to wear white. Yes. So I'm at the honors assembly and I'm, I walk in and somebody saw me at the honors assembly and said, did they make you wear white to clean hair too? Wow. So, and I, you know, I learned some powerful life lessons about the moment. Not on everything you have to run or follow up on. So at the assembly now, huh. we, um, when it was time for me to go up for my honors medallion, I looked back at her face and if the earth could have swallowed her up, I think she's still spending the rest of her life apologizing to me for I that I can moment. imagine that shame. I can imagine because she had now defined you. Yes. And she had now looked at you as one dimensional. And the only reason why you could possibly be here is to, to basically clean the, the, the hall. So after, so that was a journey in and of itself. Um, I finished in three years instead of four years. 
because I had to get out. I didn't have any money for the fourth right. year. And I couldn't burn the candle at all ends. And but what about your parents? What did they think about your choice to leave? Um, the fact that, you know, high school was, mm, university was, mm, and now you were abroad. Did they ever did try to dissuade you? Did they ever say, come home? Did they ever um, have any worry or concern that maybe potentially you might not have been able to complete? I think for both my parents... They wanted whatever was best for me. Mm. And if I felt as if there was a path for me that they could not provide, which was the actual situation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they would encourage me nice. to pursue it. Very nice. I have the most encouraging letters from my mother, and I treasure them to this very day. Beautiful. Because I remember, you know, sometimes she would write and she would say, you know, there is not much I can um, support you with, but you have a good brain. Use it. Mm -hmm. So she was always she affirming. Was always affirming, always encouraging. And um, I remember when she came for graduation, yes. I thought we, were had, we would have had to bring an ambulance to the, the basketball gymnasium where the graduation was held because she just bawled. She was just bawling. And I was, I was like, this woman needs to just contain calm herself. Calm down. <laughs> but she was bawling and bawling and bawling. And I think for her, um, that was her moment. Yes. She felt that, that she had Cold. accomplished something mm -hmm. through me. And um, I'll never forget that. But then after that, that was when, if you thought things were rambunctious then, yes. um, I got a job in Washington, D.C. shortly after that, after graduation. And I kept getting sick. Every, by Thursday, I was totally wiped out. I was exhausted. And what was the my, job? Um, I was an HR coordinator. Okay. So I was a staffing coordinator for this staffing service. And... Um, they brought me in and I was thinking I was going to be a temp going to maybe the White House or somewhere. <laughs> and the person who was a receptionist went on leave. So they gave me the position to cover for that person during her absence. So I went in, I created a birthday list, I cleaned up all the files. I was also doing orientations with the new um, recruits. Mm -hmm. And by the time the real staffing managers came in, they had their schedules for the day set, messages, everything, because I would come in from 6.30 in the morning, yes. set their day on, you know, just to organize their schedules. And they're like, huh, so we need this Jamaican, we need to keep her. Nice. So, um, I and originally that was not what you were supposed not to. What, no. Look at that redirection. And then um, I ended up managing their largest contract with the U.S. government. And uh, until you, until I w I decided that I wanted to retire like the secretary from Nets from Netscape on a golf course. So I left and went to a tech startup. And was this ever daunting for you to go into spaces that maybe you weren't already, you, weren't, you, you didn't always have the experience um, as other people, but was it ever daunting to you? And probably what were your biggest lessons as you were now trying and experimenting and transitioning from different uh, roles? You know, I'm Jamaican. Mm. So that resilience and uh, flexibility and everything is that tried no problem mm -hmm. you just apply and adjust and adapt as 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 needed mm -hmm. so i i left while i was you know transitioning i needed to figure out why i was not feeling well all the time so one doctor thought that i had a sinus problem mm -hmm. another one thought i had an ear infection but my mother who is i believe the quintessential physician. Yes. Says something wrong with your neck. You need to go to a doctor. Go check it out. And I kept putting it off. But, and then I started losing weight rapidly. So went down to 95 pounds. And that became a 
a cause for concern. I remember when Princess Diana died. Yes. I slept on the couch through the whole thing. My uncle would wake me up and say, you're not watching what is going on. And I'm like, I'm too tired to keep up. Mm-hmm. My aunt who was in osteopathy, in osteopathic school at the time came and said, your neck too big. Mine is a tumor in there. Blow it out. You need to go to doctor. I said, but auntie, I've been going to doctor after doctor. And they no one can really tell me what's anything. going on. So the, the, um, my colleagues in the office referred me to this new doctor that one of them had started seeing. And when he saw me, he said, you know, um, this is not my area of specialty, but I'm going to refer you to an endocrinologist who would be able to, you know, kind of delve a little bit, bit more deeply into what the situation is. So I went to see this endocrinologist, bless his heart, he was a lovely man mm-hmm. and experienced and um, well established in his field. And he said, he said, I think he said four things to me. He said, the lump at the base of your neck is hard to the touch, which would indicate that there's a tumor there and it might be malignant, but you're way too young. Then he says, there is a lump at the base of your jaw, which is also hard to the touch, which would indicate metastatic um, tumor, di- a metastatic tumor diagnosis, but you're t- way too young. I see this in older patients. He said... Um, the lump at the base of your neck is asymmetric in orientation, which would indicate that there is a tumor diagnosis. But you're I way, see that you're, way too, you're young. way too young. I said, so how would we confirm or eliminate that this is the situation? He said, well, we could do a fine needle biopsy, but it could grab healthy tissue and then it would bypass the malignant mm-hmm, tissue. Mm-hmm. And I said, so can we do it? But it's very expensive and um, it might give you a false positive. Or I said, let's, let's just to satisfy and my ease mind, our mind, yeah. let's get it done. And so he scheduled it for six weeks later because it was not important. It was for me. So we got the fine needle biopsy done on the neck and on the um, the base the two, of the... The two areas, yes. the, the, the neck and the Basically lump the at the jaw. Mm-hmm. And the next day he called me to say, how am I doing? Well, both um, biopsies came back and um, they're malignant. You're going to need surgery. And How old were you at the time? I believe I was 25, 24. me. 25, 24. So... Um, what did that news do to you? How did you receive? Because, I mean, I've heard of, you know, persons going into doctors, doctors, you know, mentioning that this could be a possibility, but maybe not. And even though you hear the terminology of tumor, you're still not looking for it. You're no. still not looking for the results to be positive, especially considering how he has said, you're too young. Mm-hmm. You're too young. So you're probably saying, let's eliminate it. How did you receive that news? I, I was floored, but I, ha- I was hopeful still mm-hmm. because they said I had youth on my side and I was in the best possible place to get help. Okay. So that was heartening and encouraging. And then my mother took me to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of was the icing on the cake for me. <laughs> then she came back home, but... I think she was a wreck. And she was crying, 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 crying. And my dad kept asking what was wrong until she finally, you know, got the, the, the strength to tell him. And they came up to be with me. They met my doctors and surgery was scheduled. And so they... Did that they, affect work? Well, I had, I was off for like a month mm. and a half. Because I had, when we, the surgery plan was that it shouldn't take more than four to five hours and they would get what they could see and we would do a full body scan mm-hmm. afterwards. And, but they, they, again, because of my age, they weren't expecting it to be Jeez. something 
out of the ordinary. So surgery went, we had surgery and I went, it was four hours, five hours, six hours, seven hours. My mother, of course, being who she was, I don't care to go back to the hospital for a kill, then kill me pick me now. <laughs> so, like a real Jamaican mother. Mm. So, I, I didn't know what was going on. But she, apparently, when they went in, there was a tumor wrapped around the recurrent nerve, which is the, the, the nerve that goes from your voice box to your brain. Madness. So, um... The doctor wasn't sure if the nerve was was damaged or it was severed. Um, so I was now coming out of the anesthesia and I'm complaining bitterly. Oh, them have me in here from money, mummy, and they don't do the surgery yet. And I will hear this woman start ball again like she did in college because I could speak. Yes. Because that's saw, insane. Yeah, so here it is. You are bawling. You're just like, oh my god, I can't believe them text along. Oh my, god. but you would not have even imagined what was that going you could on. have come out of it and not had a voice at all. So I had to have what is called a radical neck dissection. So I had like a hundred and something stitches. So I couldn't drive for about six weeks because uh, they had to open up and go in to get that lump and. Uh, whatever was happening mm-hmm. here. So surgery went well, I thought. Well, relatively speaking. And then we had to do the full body scan, which is um, they put you on a little bed or a table and the machine, they give you a die and the mm-hmm. machine goes from the, the head. head all the way down. And I overhear the text to the doctor. Well, we see a spray from her chin down to the tops of her to the top of her stomach, and then her joints are joints, you know, lit up. What does that mean? So, the, what does so that mean, Candice? What does that mean? It means that there was metastasis to the bones. So I see this flurry of white coats come in, and like, you have to be admitted this evening. I was like, well. We are just finding a bed for you. I said, well, you I had just... other plans. <laughs> no, I well, love your humor. I love your humor, but you would have just done a surgery. You would have just tried to, the doctors would have just tried to excavate what they could find. Mm-hmm. You you'd literally just said you had a hundred stitches. You're basically on your road to recovery mm-hmm. and you're now told, oh, by the way. Yes. So. What's going on in your head? Because I can't, I can't believe that you're just like, oh. Okay. No, there was humor. There again, I use humor to cope. So we, we, we. So I was totally unprepared for what that kind of radi- radiation treatment was like. So I had to have radiation treatment. So they lock you up in this room, and everywhere is covered with thinly spun lead, and they come in like wearing suits like these space looking suits and they give you this thing in this heavy iron container that you need to drink and then they lock you up in there and you you have to flush with water and you have to eat stuff to make your 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 we call it poker and um for you to salivate yes so it flushes the radiation out of your soft tissue and um and you're 25 yeah okay just check in so yeah we we did that so then you go back afterwards to do the scan to see how well the uptake was well that was when things went left um the scan indicated that after the treatment i had something unusual called stunning which happens in very few patients but Uh it does happen and what is that the the Cancer cells absorb the radiation, but it only damages the pumps. So it won't be able to accept that isotope of radiation again. So the most um, effective form of treatment can't be used again. So that was when I decided, I think God you don't like me. (laughs) 
We had a conversation that you're clearly yeah, we, not God's we favorite. We had an argument, a knockdown drag out, and I, and he decided that I was not going to win. And why would you, of all the people, I'm sure, I mean, I probably would have asked the question of all the people, yeah. if this is so rare, why would it why be me? me? Why me? That would cause this resistance. Anyway, so they decided in another six months to try it again. It did not work. So at when I had hit bottom now, like, I'm not doing this again. I'm going home to die. Um, my, a friend of mine said to me, you know, there is this top endocrinologist at Washington Hospital Center. You should try to see to if he out. will take your case. So I gathered up all my little files and all the things I've been collecting, and I wrote this man a nice letter. And he replied Responded. and said, your case sounds interesting. Let's meet. The day we were supposed to meet, there was an accident on the Beltway. I was three and a half hours late. Yikes. The man still waited for me. He waited for me. This man who I think he's rated like number two or number three in the world. Waited on you. Waited on me. So I knew there was a possibility. We met. We reviewed my case. My bone marrow was compromised by that time with the amount of radiation Jeez. treatment that I had. So we... What I needed before I could do another treatment was a stem cell transplant, which yeah was another whole episode. And I'm just trying to think of me at 25 and what I was doing, and it was just going through college, finishing up school, and I guess I'm trying to picture for you. I was doing that too, and I also did a master's too. This is while you were doing your treatment. Yes. Where did you find that drive and that strength? I mean, I understand about, you know, being Jamaican, being resilient. I had a lot to do. I had a lot to accomplish. And I, I, and I didn't know how much time I had to get it done. Uh, so I, I doubled through. down. I doubled down and I did what I had to do. And um, my heart stopped during the transplant because I wasn't taking enough calcium. Did you just say that your heart stopped? Yeah. As casually I could, yeah, as but, getting a cup of coffee. <laughs> no, because... Uh, uh, what? Because um, you're supposed to be taking calcium while you are having the procedure. And I was sick and tired of the Tums. So I'm there entertaining everybody. <laughs> I was sick and tired of the Tums. I just... I, the last thing I remember was somebody yelling, running down the hall that they need to put me on a calcium IV. And then I say, I can't feel my hands. I can't feel my feet. And the next thing I'm waking back up. But um, I think during that, so I've always been, you know, again, using humor to cope. Mm -hmm. But it was during that period that I really had to find who I was in relation to the universe, mm. who I was in relation to God, who I was, what were my values? What was I fighting for? What did you who find? Who I was living for. And what did you find? What were your answers? My answers were this. I am special. I am here for a purpose that has not yet been accomplished. And there are people, my story needs to inspire others. Mm. Because they can and they will. And so we, we, we went through that and we did the um, radiation treatment again with a different isotope and it worked. So that was exciting. Great. Did, you, did your relationship with God, mm -hmm. I mean, you spoke about yourself and your, you know, the, the universe and your purpose and how you will serve and how you will show up. Um, did that include a, a, a deepening of your relationship with God necessarily? It was, but I, the deepening meant that it was a very personal journey. It was not one to impose on anybody else. It was my story. It was mm -hmm. my experience. And I'm sure there are others who have um, crises in their lives mm -hmm. and they have moments where they interface with a higher power. But that's their connection. It's not mine. Correct. My, my journey you is my journey. You have to experience it. Yes. Correct. So my journey was my journey. Um, 
And then after a while, I said, this is old. I'm hanging out here and I just keep going to dock. I was tired of being a little pincushion. How old were you at this time? No, how, much time, time. how much time had passed by this time? The, that, that was about, I'd say, seven years Oof. in between all of the surgeries mm-hmm. and the treatments. I was tired of it. And was I it said, expensive, Candice? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because you, you're trying to do your oh. master's, you're trying to do school, you're going through this. I mean, so here's how are you miracle. managing all of this? Here's the miracle. So the stem cell transplant at the time was very expensive. It was like 35,000 US. This is way back in the early 2000s. And I remember the insurance company declining it. Oof. So the, the stem cell transplant, the procedure itself was an astronomical figure mm-hmm. but the medication I had to take something to stimulate the stem cell the stem cell production that was ten. it was two thousand dollars a vial at the time so the they declined both the prescription and they declined the procedure my doctor called to do an appeal on my behalf. It turns out that the head of claims appeals was a former student of his and reconsidered my claim. So oh, look at I that. had a miracle there. Oh, my goodness. So it, this has been a journey of miracles and divinity and divinity. Yeah, all kinds of exciting moments. Do you think it's your approach to life and um, your openness and your your larger-than-life personality, um, and even though you're using humor as, you know, your form of coping, also it, 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 it's hope and it's optimism. Do you think that that kind of approach and attitude um, helped what we would say the universe to conspire with me? With you? Possibly. Possibly. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. but possibly. Very possibly. So how do you know come home because you mentioned earlier that you you came home so you've been going in and out in and out doing you know trying to save yourself Mm -hmm. really taking care of your health but at some point in time you come back home came back home my parents were getting older and i didn't see myself getting better Mm. um and i thought if i had if i needed time it should be with With those who love me and uh, I came back and since 2007. And did you complete your master's? I Were you able my, to? Yes. I completed my master's in 2004. I came home in 2006. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, I got my first cancer-free diagnosis. So happy. How did that feel? I sat in my car and I cried for about two hours. The, the snot ball, big proper ball like how could that be just move from one pole to the from the from the north North pole pole to the the south pole so there must be some wisdom Mm -hmm. in this provision and i have been fortunate to be with a company and with colleagues who have been affirming and they have been as much as they have been affirming they have been challenging yes and um, I, I think as a consequence of treatment and all the, the, chale- the, the, the health challenges I've had, those have spawned new health challenges, mm-hmm. which I have to kind of be mindful, mindful of. of. And it, it does cramp my style a little bit, but um, <laughs> I'm not going to allow it to daunt me. Yes. And... Um, after I had my son, yes. which was a miracle in and of itself, because I was told that based on the treatment that Everything I had... Everything that your body has gone through. And if I had a child, he would, be, he would have Down syndrome. He'd have and, disorders. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I looked back at that and I said, you know, time again is at a premium. I cannot take it for granted. I've premium. always wanted to read the law. And... Um, I started with the University of London Mm -hmm. because it was going to be a hobby. So hold on. So this is, so you come back, Mm -hmm. you are, you're cancer free. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, You're working in HR, Mm -hmm. Toyota, Jamaica. Yes. Uh, You're doing well. You 
decide that you would like to I mean you just had a child or you, mm -hmm. you're a mommy now so you decide you're going to take on law is that what you do because you Can love you challenges some people say that I'm a perpetual student and I disagree with them. I'm not. How would you describe yourself then? No, I, this is what I've always wanted to do, so I'm doing it. So you have I, always wanted to do law. I got into law school. This would be the fourth time getting into law school. I got into law school twice in the U.S. I applied to the University of London. I got in um, in 2008. I did not take up a place. I applied, no, it would be the fifth time because I applied again to the so, University of London in 2000 and... and what, but why law? Why, why were you insistent on okay. law? Because earlier you spoke about, you know, like, you know, the, the medicine and you spoke about moving into, you know, management and mm -hmm. of course there's HR. So where, where in this entire redirection um, path or journey does law drop in? I have always had a passion for the underserved mm. always had a passion for justice and the passage that martin luther king relied on in his speech at the march on washington has always held special significance for me and i um so i look at every interaction as an opportunity for affirming the dignity of the human. Mm -hmm. And I find that the place that we can hopefully get the best redress is, is in the, the legal system. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I've always been attracted to, to, that. to the law. And let me ask you this. You said you, you got in like, you applied five different times, mm -hmm. but clearly you didn't take it up. Is it because at the time you were going through your your yes. your treatment, your surgeries, your, so each time, time you got the yes, it it just couldn't manifest, and you just did not say to yourself after the second time, time, the third I'm time, maybe up. this is not for me. You decided mm -mm. that you're still gonna go for it. I'm still gonna go for it. And 2016, when um, I I went to I was in the University of London program, and I went. So we had mock exams and I sat in my car and I was paralyzed. I, I couldn't go. I just sat in there and cried. Wow, and what was going through your mind? I, I, don't, I said, I, I can't do this. I have a kid. He needs my attention. And at that time, my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And I said, I would be really selfish to do this. And, you know, I went home and I sat with my mom and she saw how miserable I was and she said I'm here to support you as best as I can even then eh? even then hmm. and I went to do uh, one of these uh, tutorials in Trinidad and I really got a, a taste of how jurisprudence develops and how it expands. And I was fascinated by it. And I said, and I, when I came you back decided. home, when I came back home, I said, I am, I'm going, I'm not doing this for the degree. I am going the full way. So you did this while HR. Yes. And I how, did. And how did you manage to balance your, your duties, your responsibilities as HR while studying um, law, while being a oh. mom, you know, like how did you not go absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? I didn't balance anything. Mm. I just <laughs> Great had answer. an incredible supporting cast. Nice. I was very forthright with my manager and advised him that this is what I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I presented a plan. I also, you know, kind of worked it out with my mom and, um, all the, you know, those closest to me. And they were in full support. And is, this, and is this something that you do, you could do virtually or did you have to pick up and go? For the three years, I had to go to classes at Mona. And um, it wasn't virtual. Up until 2019, it was not virtual. Mm. Um, 
I started law school actually in 2019 after graduating with the law degree. And so my degree is awarded in July of 2019. And on the 10th of August, my mother decides not to wake up. I'm so sorry. On the 14th of September, we had our funeral in Montego Bay. And on the 16th of September, I report for classes at Norman Manley. Did you ever grieve? Did you ever process it? And did you ever grieve? I fell apart after law school. Mm. Um, and I think that was a way of coping. And my son wasn't managing it very well because he was also very close to my mom. Mm. Um, but I got, but I had to, I had to distract myself, yeah. but I am a big advocate of therapy. Yes. Big, big advocate of therapy that has helped. Nice. And Did you ever feel guilty having to move on so quickly in terms of everything happening right before, but understanding that you now have this duty to go through with the classes. Did you ever um, reconcile with... I think that's what she that. would have wanted. Mm. I think that is what she would have wanted. I remember when I told her, Mommy, me done, done, done. She said, I am so proud of you. So, um, you're a lawyer now? I said, no, I have to go to law school now. <laughs> she said, you go study again. <laughs> I said, yeah. She said, all right. Then. And you went for the bar? I, I went. And how was it? Oh, my goodness. I think it was worse than cancer treatment. Jesus. Well, thank you so very much. <laughs> I, I don't know if I know people who are watching who might have been interested are going to be interested after that comment. <gasps> but For me. Yes. For me. Yes. For me, it was extremely rigorous. But and, was it worth it? And it absolutely, in the end, absolutely. Um and I remember when I was being called, my brother came. My brother came from Canada to be with, and I just, it, when he was there, I could feel the presence of my parents in yeah. the room. And I remember, um, my, and I remember as I was taking the oath, my grandfather saying to me, "You are supposed to be the first barrister in the family." And the, his words just came back to me in that moment, yes. and I said, "Yes." This is what I was meant to do. That's beautiful. And so I think what your, what your story actually, I mean, apart from resilience and perseverance, and, and it wasn't any easy feat, um, you, also, you also emphasize and amplify that we are not uh, one-dimensional. No. That not because we do one thing or we have a particular role or responsibility in a company as one thing, it means that we should, one, give up on our dreams, mm -hmm. that we should bury our dreams, or that we are not capable or competent of mm -hmm. exploring other avenues. And, and why not? Take one step at a time. Put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's my mantra for my fitness program that I'm going on. <laughs> you know, I have a picture in my office, no lie, with Yoli says, yeah. and I cut off her head and put my head on top of it. And it's a source of humor for a lot of people. But that's the next goal. And that's what you're working I'm not on. Going, I'm not going back to school, but I'm, 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 I'm going to be. That's friend. the goal. Yes. I have two questions for you, two mm. last questions. Um, you've been through a lot, um, definitely, since you've been young right um you've had your ups you've had your downs and you've made it you've made it in many different spheres of your life um your priceless moment the experience that for you makes life meaningful what is that moment and i just want one there could have been many yes but that one moment that moment was one day we were at home my mother was still alive and her, her faculties weren't as sharp as they once were. But she said, she called me and she said, the garden looks different, but the paint in the room looks like mine. What about that house you say you were buying for us in Kingston? <laughs> and I said, mommy, we're living in it. And she just bursts into tears and start with that arms I was bawling again. <laughs> and she said, 
I am so proud of you and I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. I said, Mommy, if it was one coconut tree, me, you and Peanut, I got turned up under the one coconut tree. Yeah. We're together. And for me... That was everything. That was everything. Good grief. Good grief. Um, I think if Mommy... You know, mommy looking down on you will will be extremely proud. That's especially, what RT boss. Said. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Especially just not being a not not allowing yourself to to give up on yourself. I think is the most important thing. And redirection. If you were asked to define redirection through your lens, your eyes, your perspective, based on your experience of having to redirect and figure out and navigate and what would that definition be redirection for me would be um putting that one foot in Mm. front of the next and keep going don't stop celebrate those around you celebrate um be there to laugh with people be there to be happy for them um, there is too much negativity, loss, and death, and dross in the world. Redirection is about living in the mm. moment and celebrating what is important. Mm. And what's more important than, than happiness, joy, and putting that one foot in front of the next. Whatever trouble it is, you're passing through it. It's not here to stay. Mm. So... Punt and parry where you can. Punt and And parry parry when you can. Beautiful. Thank you so very much. My goodness. Um, We we learned, I learned so much in terms of just personal perseverance, um, trying new things, experimenting, why not, uh, exploring, Mm -hmm. discovering, also being able to do what people told you you were not going to be able to do i think there were so many different nuggets that um candace shared and i'm sure you felt the same um thank you for watching thank you for making it another episode of redirection with tk if there was something that she said and i mean all of us are going through different things and a lot of us do not realize how how important it is to take care of our health uh, as early as we can mm-hmm. and a lot of the times even though uh, doctors say that you know they've never seen these things it's it they, it only occurs in people who are older Candice's story actually shows you that at whatever age you could absolutely be vulnerable and absolutely be susceptible so if there are any parts of what she spoke about that really resonated with you please go ahead drop it in the chat share it with your friends share it with your community let us know we value your feedback let us know um, what you thought about this episode don't be afraid to leave your reviews as well as your ratings so again thank you for always being such an encouraging tribe thank you for sticking and staying thank you for watching all the episodes i absolutely appreciate it and i can't wait to serve you with more seasons of redirection with terry carell thanks to our partners mastercard heineken zero zero Toyota Jamaica, Spaces, Commercial Concepts, Breche, Beauty Brands by MDS, and Go Shore Courier.